Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Al Basti Ecruel, Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. Delighted to welcome my first guest to Luck on Sunday this week. 24 wins this season at a 26% strike rate. That's amongst the highest in the country. Started with 15 horses this year and has 32 in now. Just reward for all that success after five and a half years as assistant to Hugo Palmer. George Bowie is out on his own and flying. George, welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. The thing's going incredibly well. Just tell me about your target at the start of the season, which was June the 1st. Uh... We wanted to have 10 winners. You know, I thought it was a pretty realistic target. You know, we had some seasoned handicappers that we bought at the sales and, you know, 10 two-year-olds. So, yeah, and to have, to have had 24 winners already is a huge credit to my team. I'm, I'm delighted and, and it's, it's great, to, great to be a part of it, really. How do you think it's happened? What would you say is the secret to it all unfolding well this year? Um, I actually, when I was at Hugo's, he was very kind to me. You know, he let me have a yard for him and you know I had 50 horses for him on the Hamilton Road and myself and AD Rogers who's my head lad now you know he was a big part of and he is still a big part you know he's a big part of my team and you know we had the confidence to to go and do it you know I didn't have the horses when I started we started with four or five 50 60 rated horses and it's you know we've put it sort of the same things into practice that we did three or four years ago and it's we just sort of believed in what we were doing and it's it's paying off really when did you first decide you wanted to be a racehorse trainer uh i think in my mid-teens probably um from not a racing family as such it was quite a bold statement my dad's a farmer in dorset and you know we've got a couple of trainers that trained on our farm and i didn't really know how to get into the game and you know it's sort of it was quite a big leap but when i was at school i sort of followed racing avidly and um Michael Bell's my godfather's sorry my brother's godfather and so there was a bit of a sort of in there and just trying to get a job when I left school was pretty tricky as a as a moderate rider but um, that's a while ago now and it's it's great to be sort of where we are really. And what was it about training that kind of flicked your switch in those in those teenage years? What I mean so I guess at the time you could really have gone into anything you wanted. Yeah I, look, I was very lucky to to have a good education and you know it's I think everyone, my masters at school were pretty amazed. I wanted to train racehorses. You know, it's not a, it wasn't a conventional thing to do. You know, everyone went to university and went and work in the city and that sort of thing. And it's probably quite a high risk strategy. And you know, it still still is. But um, you know, I loved horses and loved racing. And you know, I was never going to be a jockey. I think if anyone who's seen me ride would uh, would clarify that. So um, it was a sort of natural progression as, as to what I was hoping I would be able to do. So what was your first job in racing? Uh, my first job in racing really was working for Luke Lillingston at the sales, uh -huh. um, just sort of as I'd left school. 
Um, I'd ride out for trainers. I actually did a couple of weeks' work experience for John Joe O'Neill years ago, um, which was great, and I think I fell off as many times as I stayed on. But um, no, and then when I was at Newcastle University, I sort of rode out for trainers up there and um, then went to Australia after university and worked for Gay Waterhouse, which was great. Um, Is that where the Palmer connection came? It, it was. I actually met Hugo um, before I went to Australia, but you know he worked for Gay and he worked for Luke Lillingston as well, and there was a bit of a sort of connection there. So when I came back, at, so Hugo had about as many horses as I have now, and I think I was surplus to requirement. But <laughs> I remember there was a, a time where he called George Scott, who had put me in touch with him, and and said, you know, I, I'm not sure he's quite up to it yet, but you know, Hugo saw my determination and and we worked from the bottom I was just sort of mucking out and riding out and progressed into to what we did together which was you know it was great I'll come back to that in just a moment tell me what it was like working for Gay Waterhouse I always enjoy people telling me about their experiences there nearly as much as I enjoyed interviewing her myself a, about a year and a half ago she's um she's a fantastic woman um the drive she has still at sort of her age is amazing and you know, it, it's a tough world. You know, it's, racing's hard everywhere, but, you know, they're up at 2.30 in the morning and, you know, she was meticulous. She had horses all over the country and knew everything about all of them. Um, she was a fantastic trainer and most notably, I think, you know, her, her people skills were amazing. You know, she had horses for everyone and and still does and, you know, she was just a fantastic trainer, really, all-encompassing. All, all did you feel like you knew a lot more when you'd when you'd finished there than you than you did when you started? Was it a, was it a worthwhile exercise from that point? Of yeah, it was. She gave us very good to me. She, you know, I worked in all of her four yards in Sydney, and you know, she has four different places in one city, which is pretty amazing to think. You know, if, if we train in Newmarket, you've got one base. Um, but yeah, I you know I went racing with her. She was she sort of took me under her wing and was very good to me. Um, I, we don't speak that much anymore. It's quite hard on a sort of time zone, but I always see her when she comes up to Frasca or the July meeting. So that's. What did you learn about the mechanics of training? Um, I think the, the biggest thing down there, it's slightly different to here because it is it's on such a larger scale. You know, a great friend of mine, David Eustace, who's training down there now, you know, they, are, they have hundreds and hundreds of horses. Here, people think you've sort of got a big yard if you've got 150. Mm. Um, you know, it's running. I remember Gay said to me on my first day, she said, I run a hotel, not a racing stable. You know, it's one horse in, one horse out. Always has to be full. You know, it's, it's a business as much as anything. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very different game down there. It's much more driven for speed, and, you know, they're, they're buying all of us, well, not all of our stairs, but our top end handicappers and winning Group Ones down there. It's a very different game, but it taught me a lot. Um, sort of over the year that I was there really were you tempted to stay very yeah were you uh the visa is quite tricky and I think it's proving even trickier now to stay down there or, or move down there um but yeah look, naturally it's it, the, the prize money thing is is the biggest factor you know we've had 24 winners this year and 124 grand in prize money I think which down there or you know even in France you might be earning in France, four hundred thousand, and down there, you might be near to nearer to seven figures. So, yeah, I was very tempted, and but look, we're we're very happy in Newmarket at the moment, and long may it continue. Really, Gay Kelloway was on the show last week. She correctly identified that you're unlikely to go hungry because you, like me, and a lot of people in the sport, have had quite a privileged upbringing. But 
in reality, when you've got to do it for yourself and you've got to make your own money, it doesn't matter how privileged your upbringing has been, you've, you've still got to make the, the books balance and you've still got to pay people. Just talk me through the, the early part of trading and, and how, it, how it impacted on you from a financial point of view. Well, I think I took a bit of a different stance on it, really. I, you know, the, like I said, with the prize money, it's pretty tricky and a big part of what I want to do is trade horses. And, and without using our racing body as a, as a nursery for other countries, I think you, know, you have to look at, at different avenues. You know, Sam Haggis and I bought a handful of horses at the October hit sale last year and, and we tr- we've traded them quite well already. You know, two of them that have been sold have both been at profit um, and one at quite a considerable profit to Australia. You know, he, he was my best horse and it was sad to lose him. But, you know, he won a Newbury and a Windsor handicap for us and, and had to move on. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky, but that's a big stance of what I want to do. And, and at the start, you know, we had some very lowly rated horses. And as you can probably see by my percentage last year, it wasn't pulling up any trees. But um, it proved that we could train winners with bad horses, which, in no disrespect to them being bad horses, but they were low-grade animals. And, and we're trying to build up slowly by buying tried horses and improving them off, off other stables. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome back. You're watching Luck on Sunday. I've got a statement here that's just come through to us from Gain Equine Nutrition. This is the horse feed manufacturer that supplies not only Bally Doyle, but also the stables of Joseph and Donica O'Brien. Aidan, Joseph and Donica have withdrawn all of their horses from Paris-Longchamp today, including the four in the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, because the batch of horse feed has been found to contain a contaminant, Zilpaterol, which did show up in the tests of the horses from France Gallo, though the Irish testing was not sufficiently forensic to pick up any trace in the food. And that's why Aidan has taken the horses out. Aidan will be joining me in six and a half minutes time. So here is the Gain Equine Nutrition statement. The team at Gain are hugely disappointed to learn that some of our customers have withdrawn their horses from important equine events this weekend, including the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe meeting in Paris. We are equally disappointed for all of our valued equine feed customers across Ireland, the UK, France and elsewhere, who we advised on Friday to refrain from feeding our products until we fully investigated the source of potential contamination of our equine feed. The contaminant, Zilpaterol, is a synthetic beta agonist approved for use as a performance enhancer in some beef production systems outside of the European Union. It is important to stress that this synthetic substance has never formed part of any formulation in any of our animal nutrition ranges. Intensive testing of our equine feed ranges, batches and individual ingredients has been underway around the clock since this first issue emerged in France. We're continuing to work closely with all appropriate agencies, including the Irish Department of Agriculture, to fully investigate the source, nature and extent of this contamination, we are also in close contact with horse racing regulatory bodies. We will provide a more detailed update once further information is available. So the key point there is that Gain have told every trainer that they supply that this is a possibility. And second, they don't know, and this is the worrying point, where the source of contamination is. As I welcome to the show this week, Neil Channing. 
That's a nice bombshell for us, uh, Neil, to I know. kick off with. I know. It's been, a, it's been a week. We haven't had enough news this week, have we, really? It's been a bit mental. I, I, normally, I'd be focusing on losing money on heavy ground uh, flat racing in, in, the, in the Midlands or something. But, uh, no, it's... Um, I mean, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because... Well, it's a terrible day for gain. I'm sure the man... I'm, I'm not surprised he doesn't want to come on and talk to you about it. Well, they've issued a very comprehensive It's a very comprehensive statement, but it's a bad day for them. But, uh, I, I mean, it's terrible for the ARC, isn't it? I mean, you know, with three weeks ago on this show, you were saying, oh, it could be the greatest race ever. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we had the news of love in the week. Uh, now, we, you know, the rest of the Aidan O'Brien and, and uh, you know, all the O'Brien horses... Mm. Uh, from the whole meeting, you know, it's not just the arc. I no, mean, it's, which uh, fancy blue in the pre-block yeah, would yeah, be the other most that, significant that, one. Absolutely, and yeah. the horses that Joseph's running as yeah. well, and and the two-year-old races have been mm. completely denuded of interest, yeah, particularly yeah. the uh, the Prigent Lagardère. What what we need to, to find out is a how this came about, and secondly, hopefully, we'll find this out from Aiden in a few moments' time. Exactly what the medium-term ramifications are. How long do you have to go? Obviously, you're not mm. going to be feeding gain horse feed or this batch of horse feed now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he, he said he switched immediately, didn't yeah. he? I think uh, I can't remember the other brand, but uh, Red Mills was it. But but, uh, but it, you, you can you can switch. But obviously, that mm. is a different formulation. Yeah, yeah. And not only that, you're, you, you, how long is it going to be that you can't have runners? Is this going to knock yeah, on into anyway? Yeah. We'll find that out in a few moments' time. Um, just as far as the art's concerned. Without those four Bally Doyle mm. horses in there, the complexion of the race changes. And as I said at the beginning of the programme, would you agree with me that it's now opened up like the Red Sea? Well, I mean, I think, I, think, I think it had opened up any... I was opened up for an able, for yeah. sure, yeah. I mean, I, I think the race had gone kind of wide open because of the ground, obviously. Uh, but now, you know, a lot of the things that you think about when you think about the art, like 11 runners, the draw's not such a huge factor as it was before. You know, when you're looking at sort of 15, 16, 17 runners, which we thought earlier in the week there might be, uh, you're, you're sort of thinking, oh, you know, if you're drawn in the teens, you, you can pretty much forget it. Uh, it's, not, it's not such a big thing now if you're drawn sort of 8, 9, 10, 11. Uh, so that's that's quite a big factor, I think. But you're right. I mean, uh, I, I, as somebody that seems to remember John Gosden tells us over and over and over that Stradivarius doesn't really like soft ground, I hadn't really fallen for that sort of collapse in price. But that that's a horse that's really collapsed in price. Um, you know, the challenges to enable are quite a lot of French horses that don't really have form on the ground or haven't gone a mile and a half yet. Uh, there's a, few, a couple of them in there. Uh, but actually... Yeah, I think there's only five horses less than 20 to 1 in the race. But isn't the point now that without Serpentine in the race, mm. without Mogul and Japan yeah, yeah, around yeah. in Able, that Frankie Dottori can, mm. can dictate the race, yeah, can, yeah, yeah. can the make whole... the other riders dance to his tune, yeah, which he whole, wouldn't have been able to the do. The whole idea of uh, serving it up to Enable and stretching on this ground has, has kind of gone a bit. Yeah, mm. yeah I agree. That has that has gone, mm. and it's unlikely that Stradivarius is going to be the one that's uh, serving uh, it up to it. Especially, I think on the ground as well. I think Stradivarius, you know, they, if they were confident on the ground, maybe they would think about that. But I don't think, yeah, I don't see that happening. But it's a wretched shame. I, mm. I feel for all the officials at France Gallo and Paris Longchamp. It's terrible. As well. It's a terrible situation. I'm sure there's there's no real winners in it. It's uh, it's awful. And we thought that you know the the subject of testing for, oh, yeah. well, te exactly, testing for yeah. substances in France yeah. would only come up once this week. We weren't, we weren't quite expecting that. More of that, incidentally, in a, in a few moments' time. And, and we are just trying to connect now with, with Aidan O'Brien for an update on how the next few few days are, 
are going to progress. Some wonderful stories coming out of out of France yesterday. We're going to talk to David Menuisier yeah, later in yeah. the programme. Tremendous. Yeah, he's so a, pleased to see him. He had the, a quite of a one. bit of a dodgy run earlier in the season, didn't he? But he's also really running. Well, you know, two winners at Salisbury the other day. And, uh, yeah, I love him. He's really good. I loved him when he was on the show, actually. He, he's great, yeah. Uh, and, the fa- and the fact that he's only still reeling from the loss of his great stable star, Thundering mm. Blue, a couple yeah, of years yeah, ago. Yeah, 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 well, of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was really good. I really enjoyed that race yesterday. Yeah, and, and Tony Mullins winning oh, well, the... Well, it's a great story, isn't winning it? Winning the yeah. Prix de Cadre, the yeah. group one with, with Princess and, and a great race as well, you know. I would, it was a real cat and mouse, wasn't it? And it, you didn't really know. It sort of flipped back and forward at the last furlong a few times. Yeah, it was great. And so how is your punting going at the moment? Uh, well, I, I actually hit a bit of a little run, but, uh, you know, these things always end. So I actually had a terrible day yesterday. But, uh, I mean, generally speaking, the, the kind of cusp between the two seasons is an awful time to be betting. Uh, you know, trying to bet flat horses uh, that maybe, uh, you know, you get a lot of horses at this time on the flat. They've had a little break waiting for softer ground. Uh, you, you know, the, re, relying on form from sort of fast ground horses is a waste of time. Uh, I, traditionally, this is a bad time for me to be betting on the flat, and I, I tend to be a sort of a, the jumps doesn't start till Chepstow man, uh, although I probably have had a few jumps bets. Uh, but uh, no, I've tried to kind of keep my powder dry a little bit this week. I'll, get, I'll be getting stuck in this afternoon, though. Don't worry about that. I, I hope so. <laughs> uh, I think now we can connect to Aidan O'Brien, who is at Ballydoyle on the Gallops. Uh, Aidan, morning. Good morning, Nick. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm well, thank you. A, a, a wretchedly difficult day for, for you and all your team. Just talk me through the events of the last 24 hours or so, if you can, Aidan. Um, I, I suppose that I, I think uh, was the first time we heard anything about it, and we just contacted by Dan to say that there was an issue and that, that they had sent in samples to be tested, and they were hoping that they would have... Um, that they would have the results of the test at 12 o'clock on Thursday night. So uh, at 12 o'clock came and, and, and they still didn't have them. And then 1 o'clock came and they still didn't have them. And half one came and they still didn't have them. So I, I suppose it was... Uh, uh, they didn't have them all the time until 6 o'clock on Friday morning. Uh, that was the first conclusive test that, that came through that the, the feed was contaminated. And, uh, and straight away then we sent off our own feed straight away that um, I, I, I think it led to straight England. Um, I think that uh, uh, eight clubs on Friday morning to get our own uh, feed tested, what, what we were using, and that came up positive on uh, Friday night. And then obviously we had runners in France on Saturday. So what we did then, uh, uh, we had started the process obviously straight away on, on Friday morning, getting the urine samples tested for the horses uh, that we were on Saturday on Friday. So we could get no labs anywhere, either in Ireland or England, uh, to, to, to do the sample. So uh, the only lab we could get was uh, to send it to France. But, but our own lab, the Irish Equine Centre, were able to do a test uh, that was done for cattle, a urine test, and, and, and it was tested uh, one part per billion, and, and that kept up negative. So then we ran the horses on Saturday in France. But then, the, in the meantime, the... The, the urine and the blood was gone to a lab on a lab in in France, and uh, we didn't get the results of that until uh, last night, and they came up positive. So obviously, uh, that, that was no choice, and we, we, uh, everybody met, and the lads had a good chat what they wanted to do, and and they felt protect integrity of racing, like we obviously didn't have any choice, 
but not to run them, even though we had changed the feed two days before that um, to, to, to um, uh, Conley um, instead of instead of gain. And, and obviously, uh, we weren't sure how long it was going to take to grow the system, so we didn't have any choice really uh, but, but to withdraw the horses today, like obviously to protect the integrity of racing there, Nick. Aidan, I mean, it goes without saying. It's, an, it's a bit of a disaster, really, for, for, for all concerned. I think that the worry, really, is what you've just touched on there, is that you, you don't really know how long it takes to get this Ilpatrol out of the system. Have you been, have you been given any uh, veterinary advice on that over the last no, day or so? I think nobody really knows. But, but what has happened in the meantime, I've been speaking to Jeremy Spears from... In Australia, our horses have got to Australia as well with our feed. Mm. So, so um, what, what's happening now? That uh, urine and blood are being taken every day. Um, so we, we took the horses off again in Australia. We uh, Joseph gave, gave us some of his feed where he was feeding uh, Connolly. So they're gone on to that straight away. But they're going to test the horses every every day, urine and blood, to see how long it takes to clear out of the system. Or even firstly, do, do they pick up on it in in, in their test? Like the, the test is so so like uh, like um, the Irish Equine Centre thinks that the, the test in La, in in France go to point five or point two or point three per billion instead of one. We were testing, so it, it depends on how low the tests uh, are yeah. going to go. And, and firstly, is it going to is it going to come up positive in in Australia? But we know that straight away when when they do the urines and and the blood samples and the feedback. Down there, and, and I know because I, I you know, I've spent a, a bit of time with you over the years at, at your yard, and, and you know, you talk extensively about the, the thought and the formulation of feeding horses and how important it is. I mean, are you are you happy just to switch from one feed to another, or, or is it going to take a little bit of time for the horses to, to adapt? I, it probably will, uh, Jamie. We, we, we would have had an option in Australia to change to one feed until our feed got down there, but, but we couldn't. That means we'd be changing feed twice in the one week, and there was a big risk of colic doing that. So that's why when Joseph had enough feed, hopefully by this way, we just changed it to Joseph's feed, and that's what we wanted to stay on. Obviously, you're, you're never sure, like human beings, like something you're used to eating the whole time, and then you change to something different. You're, you're never sure of that, but we don't stand in tight, Nick, really. Like, it's all... It's all been one of our greatest fears of contamination in supplements or feed in, in, in anything because obviously sport has gone so streamlined now and testing is so is so tight in every way and, and uh, everything is picked up. So, it, it, but uh, I don't think we've had tight really Nick, is, is the answer. What do you think is the best case scenario here, Aidan, as regards getting the whole show back on the road in some shape or form? Well, I, I suppose the best case scenario is that. It would, it would have a two- or a three-day um, uh, withdrawal uh, um, stage that, that we could be back racing maybe Wednesday or Thursday. But obviously, we're going to have runners, in, hopefully, in, we have runners maybe on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday in Ireland, and obviously we'll have, hopefully, runners over with either weekend. But like I say, there's no doubt what we would have to do is, is, is a blood and urine samples from the hot, probably starting tomorrow and do them every day all the way up to the forget before we before we race. Um, but I, I suppose, I, I suppose in, in everyone in Ireland and England have to see first are they going to do the test or they start to do the test or, or, or and then if they do, how, how low the, the bar is going to be. Um, because like we couldn't get the test done anyway. France would only think we could get the test done. So there, I suppose there's an awful lot of uh, 
questions and uh, things have to be answered there. But that's what we're going to test on Monday, and we do it every day, uh, probably using the French lab until until there's some lab in Ireland or England that we can use. I know you're barely having time to think outside this at the moment, but do you think this presents quite a good, a better case, if you like, for better harmonisation between the countries in terms of what are acceptable thresholds when you get contamination cases like this? Actually, I think it is, but like obviously, um, like everyone sets the bar, everyone has to deal together, and, and especially, I suppose, in Europe, like America is, is, is obviously a different world from here. But I think this, this product is kind of licensed and used in America, but not in Europe because it has to be used in anything, you know. So I, I think so. But listen, uh, who knows? Maybe, like, obviously, the, 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 the French lab is very thorough and, and uh, leave no room for error in any way. And, and, uh, and if, that's, if that's the way, uh, if it's the right way, everyone has to move up to that standard or vice versa. I suppose is it too thorough? I don't know, you know. So uh, I suppose it's a big conversation that has to be had between everybody. And Aidan, the, the the cost of this, I mean, you know, emotionally one thing, but the cost of this financially is is absolutely enormous. You know, the the potential prize money losses, the potential you know, stallion revenue losses, not to mention the actual logistics of what you're having to go through at the moment. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing there will be a, a legal process uh, commencing already. I should be like, I don't know, but I, or, uh, um, Nick, I don't know, but I obviously I feel sorry for the lads. They put so much in, like it's, the cost is like what incredible like and, and uh, the, the ramifications are, are, are like shocking really and um, isn't everyone like up for everybody everyone's working so hard to try to get it there to, to obviously to breed the horses to sell the horses to train them to race them the jockeys um and the, listen the lads put in so much the sales come up next week and you, you'll see like they put in so much to, to get horses to this stage and, and, and to try and make it happen and it, like obviously as you know it's so difficult to try to get success you know so i, I think so so sorry for them, and, and uh, hopefully we, we'll be all, all, all able to work it out. Have you have you had to put a bit of an arm around some of the some of the staff this week uh, be, because of this? Because the, the, the mood must be pretty glum. Actually, listen, this morning is very quiet here. Like, but everyone does their best, and, and like all we can do is everyone keep talking about what happened and why it happened, and probably try to work it out. But like, everyone you know, everybody is raising the Thank you very much for your time this morning. Um, I, I can only I can only sympathise with you and your whole team, and hope this situation reaches as satisfactory as possible a conclusion as swiftly as possible. Thank you. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. Well, that's terrible, isn't it? Really. I mean, I mean, yeah. what a mess. Yeah. I mean, I just I, somebody was saying yesterday morning, you know, how much more rain would they have to be to to abandon the meeting, like. That, that would have been a, such a, you know, imagine if they could have abandoned the meeting with the weather and, and come and done it all again next week. That might have, uh, might have turned out to be perfect. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we're just going to have to wait and monitor this situation now. But the point is, I think the worrying point is that nobody really knows how long it takes to get out of the system. And this could be... Yeah. And, the, and when I started thinking about the cost, not just of... Say, say a horse like Mogul or Japan yeah, won yeah, the yeah. arc today. Yeah. yeah you, 
Yeah, it doesn't even it doesn't yeah, bear thinking yeah, about, yeah. does it? So uh, well, also for the younger horses, like it's kind of one shot, isn't it? Really, yeah. you know, if you've got a two-year-old or something like that. But it, uh, if you if you've just tuned in, incidentally, before I spoke to Aidan O'Brien, there. I, issue, uh, I, I uh, read a statement that we'd been issued by Gain Horse Feeds, and we will uh, we will post that on our website. You can read the full statement there, and it'll be on our social media streams as well. Right, let's try and pick ourselves up from <laughs> from that and and look back on on some of the best on some of the best action from Newmarket yesterday. Nazif was the star of the Sun Chariot Stakes, the Kingdom of Bahrain Sun Chariot Stakes. All at least is rosy in John Gosden's garden and could get yet rosier. He has, he has been having afternoon. a lot of winners, hasn't he, recently? Uh, yeah, funny at that. Newmarket. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but this horse has been on the go a long time and, and just keeps doing it, doesn't it? I, just, I think it ran a bit disappointing the uh, last time out, but uh, I think this is really solid form and, uh, yeah, very nice, very nice. Uh, she became the third filly in a decade to complete the Falmouth Stakes and Sun Chariot double. And she's extremely tough as well. She beat the French filly half like the chestnut over in second. She ran very well. Cloak of Spirits, a career best performance in third with Champers Elise back in fourth. It didn't really pan for Champers Elise yet. It pretty, didn't really unlucky. happen for her. I thought she was unlucky. Yeah, actually. she was. Yeah, that, that would be possibly the one to take out of it. Yeah. Um, Cloak of Spirits was really uh, come there cruising, actually. Didn't quite pick up as much as you thought, but uh, I think the winner was pretty impressive. Did you back her? I did not. No, I um, I bet um, uh, your guest last week, uh, um, Lady Bothorpe. Lady Bothorpe, who ran yes. very well. Who ran very well. Six, Got yeah. a little bit lost out in the middle, maybe. Um, but uh, came there just for a second. I thought she might, but uh, yeah, she's very nice. I like her. I spoke to John Gosden after the race. I not only asked him about his two runners in the arc today, but uh, asked him, of course, about Nazif's. Uh, performance and suggested to him that he must be very pleased with the way she'd bounced back from her poor run in France last time. I mean, they had had 100 millimetres of rain at uh, Deauville and uh, it was a bit of an ice rink and Frankie said she, she, she was sliding everywhere, couldn't handle it, so he, thank goodness he looked after her. And she's freshened up well and shown a lot of courage here today. This, uh, again, we're dealing with very soft ground by new market standards and she showed a lot of courage and, I mean, she's certainly uh, asserted in the final 50 yards. She's come a, a long, long way in a relatively short space of time because we started the season late. You, you'll remember that we did a, a racing welfare preview for Royal Ascot together all those months ago. And you, of all the horses you had fancied at Royal Ascot, you put her up as your, as your charity bet at the end. She was obviously showing you plenty earlier. Well, she's interesting because she's a four-year-old and uh, Sheikh Hamdan, who, who both bred her and uh, owns her, we asked, should we go for some black types? So she'd been winning all-weather handicaps last autumn. Mm. And then she came out and won a listed straight away, the snowdrop, on the all-weather at, uh, at Kempton. And with that sort of concertina season, it seemed obvious to go for the Duke yeah. of Cambridge at Royal Ascot. And then from there, she rolled on to the Falmouth. And she got in a muddle coming down the hill at, uh, in the Nassau and got sliding around in the Doval, but she's back to her best here today. Was she always potentially quite good, or has she just really blossomed this, this she's time a, She's a lovely filly. She actually lives next door to a neighbour. They're good mates. Um, she's grown and got stronger and more assertive in herself and a lot more confidence in herself. And uh, I thought she'd run a big one today. I didn't think she'd be able to deal with that field like she did, but uh, that was a very smart field of fillies. Do you think she's done now? I don't know for the, this season. I'll... Let's see how she is the next 10 days, and she'll tell us whether Sheikh Hamdan would like to run her again anywhere. I've no idea, America, or whether he'd like to keep her in training next year, or whether he'd like to take her to the breeding sheds. That will not be my decision.
Would she be one of those you could take abroad? Yeah, she's a great mind on her. Yeah. She's easy to travel, but uh, she's done an awful lot already this year. So she didn't have her mate with her when she, uh, when she got up this morning? Um... No, she left last <laughs> night and uh, went through the tunnel, the Channel Tallinn, and she, she's, she's now um, she's over in France and had a nice lead out in the sunshine there this morning. I think we probably hope, funny enough, for a few, a few showers just to loosen the ground rather than it go that awful sticky that they go into holding ground. But, uh, but uh, yeah, they're good friends. They compete to see who can eat the fastest. How are you feeling not being there? It's, it's fine. I've got a most fantastic team of people with her who know her well. Two great travelling head men, two fantastic grooms, and Thady, uh, who's uh, my assistant. So I think, quite frankly, they don't need the old man there causing chaos and irritating everyone. Will you be walking your box tomorrow morning? No, I, t I will be up the sales tomorrow looking at yearlings all day, which is a great way of keeping the mind occupied. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't, be, wouldn't be, want to be sitting in there trying to, in, in the house, not doing anything. That would drive me bonkers. And yeah. Stradivarius OK as well? He's in great form. He, we're down to who handles this. It's specialist mm. ground. We're down to who handles it. And if someone handles it and they think it feels like running on fast ground, they, they win it. But he, he, he's a grand horse in good form. He's trained beautifully for this race. I was thrilled with his trial, which is on quite quick ground. They called it good to stop, but the boys said it was good to firm slick. Um, and he's trained wonderfully for this. And if he, if he does handle the ground, he definitely has the stamina uh, to deal with it. About Stradivarius, Enable and Nazif in reverse order. Nazif providing him with success in the Kingdom of Bahrain Sun Chariot Stakes. Yesterday, that wasn't the only European Group 1. We had a brace of Group 1s in France. The Qatar Prix de Cadran was won by Princess Zoe, which was a remarkable performance. Joey Sheridan and Tony Mullins, they're on their way back. They're flying back at the moment, which is why we can't connect with them. We can, however, connect with the man who trains wonderful tonight, who won the Qatar Prix de Royale Lieu for fillies and mares. And there was talk this week that Wonderful Tonight might have been supplemented for the ARC, but they went the way of the Group 1 yesterday and it came up um, trumps. Well done to Tony Picconi and to Chris Wright, the owner, and to trainer David Menuizier, who I'm hoping joins me now. David, good morning. Is he there? Hello. Hello, yes, <laughs> we've got you. Uh, congratulations, David. It was a wonderful performance from Wonderful Tonight and, uh, and the right call all round. How are you this morning? Yeah, thanks very much, Nick. Um, I've lost my voice, but <laughs> apart from that, uh, I'm okay. <laughs> and you, we... I, th I think I was I was pushing harder than the jockey that I started. <laughs> and, and just t talk, tell me about the the whole experience yesterday for you. It was pretty weird, you know, um, because obviously I watched the, the race from home, and so it was a matter of trying to concentrate on the race with my four-year-old daughter uh, cycling all over the living room at the same time <laughs> screaming. So, yeah, it was uh, pretty um, peculiar. But <laughs> and frustrating because, you know, when you win a big race and you can't be there, you always feel that you kind of have, have missed out a little bit. But, hey, um, that's life. That's life. How long had this been in the planning? Oh, probably since uh, she won the Minerve, um, because she looked quite uh, special that day, really, when she won on, on heavy in Deauville. Um, then we thought we have to to run in the Vermeil because uh, she was a Group 3 winner, so we had nothing to lose. The ground was uh, not in her favour that day. She goes on any ground, but she, she's so much better on heavy. 
because she probably runs at the same speed, whether she's on good or, or heavy. <laughs> and uh, the others go much slower, so so she looks flattered on, on heavy ground, but she actually handles heavy ground. But yeah, to answer your question, since uh, since she won that Gold Street Deauville, we, we had the uh, value in mind. Um, we nearly did uh, <laughs> supplement for the ARC, and after the unfortunate news that we mm. could uh, read last night, uh, I, I do feel that perhaps we would have had a, a squeak, you know. But hey, that's life. Yeah, exactly. And you've won your you won your Group One. Do you now dream about going back for the ARC twelve months from now? Yeah, I mean, I think that will be the main plan. You know, she's. Uh, Despite being a Group One winner, I think there's still plenty more improvement to come because she's still she's still quite light and leggy and unfurnished, and the way she races, uh, it was like a, a second run yesterday. You know, she's still um, doing a bit too much uh, throughout the day. She can relax and and be a real professional. Uh, I, I don't know how much improvement she can find, but. On the other hand, you know, we'll have to, we'll, we'll have to, to, to find the succession of an airport next year, so um, why not? <laughs> why not indeed? And, and I mean, is, is there anything else for her now for, for 2020, or is that, is that it? I mean, would you consider Champions Day? Uh, she's entered. She's entered, and um, yeah, we'll just need to see how, how she comes out of this race, see how much uh, the race, the transport, the ground has taken out of her and make a decision next week because obviously it will be at 14 days um it's not like us to do something like that but the feeling she's she's really well and uh, she she literally doesn't make um too much effort on this ground and so i, I don't know look if she if she if she jumps and jumps around and kicks around uh, in the next five days uh, perhaps uh, we, we we will consider it but it's not a plan as such as we speak because she's done her job and probably more than a lot of people expected. So, yeah, we're delighted. And, uh, David, there was a huge and overwhelming and, and justifiable sort of outpouring of affection, I think, to, for you and your team yesterday, because it's been such a tough couple of weeks for you losing Thundering Blue. Uh, you really have been sort of put through the, through the emotional ringer, really. Yeah, I mean, I always say, you know, racing is like a concentrate of life, and uh, it really is. You go through bad times, you go through good times, and you have to accept them all. You can't just accept one and not the other, and you have to, you have to be tough. And, and um, look, it was extremely hard uh, to, to lose him, especially because we had kind of planned to, to run him at Goodwood for his last run. And then he was he was meant to retire in a back garden, and uh, it was a, a massive shock. And it still is, you know, when when we walk into the barn and we see that empty box, uh, it's it's very hard, you know. We've seen his face in that box for five years, and uh, it's it, it, it's extremely difficult. But the the the, the big consolation uh, was the fact that. We received emails, text messages, uh, I'm not even talking about Twitter, but also flowers, you know, from, from fans uh, from, from throughout the world. I mean, we received a, a bouquet of, of uh, blue roses uh, a few days ago. Uh, we received countless messages, hundreds, from, from Japan and photos and, and, and that overwhelming reaction makes you 
makes makes you um, uh, come around quicker, I think, you know, and, and to realize that he was so loved all around the world. It's not just us who have who have lost a horse. It, it's it's everybody. I mean, we have lost more than a horse. We've lost a friend. He was like literally part of the family, and it, it, it was hard. But the the reaction, the worldwide reaction, was was quite amazing, really. Yeah. Um, you speak so movingly, David, and and we'll all remember the horse so fondly. He did so much for you and your team, and. And you campaigned him so boldly, and, and you were rewarded so well, and 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 so and so justly. And, and congratulations yesterday with wonderful tonight, and roll on perhaps Ascot, and most definitely next year's arc. Thanks so much for giving up your time this morning. Well, thanks a lot, Nick, and and I'd like to to thank Chris Wright as well because he was uh, one of our first owners. Actually, he, you know, he decided to uh, to support us before we became half famous, and uh, <laughs> so I can't thank him enough. Uh, half famous David Benoisier, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. Cheers. Um, oh, lovely words. That was great, actually. Love, lovely yeah. words. He's a, he's a very good target trainer, I think. I think of him as a target trainer, but he's, uh, yeah, yeah, he's really good. Kipling esque. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and the way people rallied round to support him as well after that loss, it was lovely to hear. Yeah, and the and, roses and yeah. that. That's amazing, isn't and, it? And, yeah. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai. Welcome back. It's me great pleasure to welcome our next guest. And since arriving as just a 15-year-old from Italy in 2006 with not a word of English to his name, he has risen and risen and recently wrote his 1,000th winner in a glittering career. It's Dali Sun, the handicap good thing that leads. And is Julie going to win in tremendous style in the hands of Andrea Azzini? Bellardo had to buff it through, but he's now in full fight and he's coming away to win the Dubai Dewhurst Stakes. Simple Verse takes it up, no doubt this time. Simple Verse, the legend winner, won the British champions for his and theirs. Postponed win for Dubai Shima Classic. Postponed in a classy field for the QE2 Coronation Cup will win really well. Postpone is going to hang on here and wins the jump on from Highland Real. Decorated Knight comes sweeping through the field for Andrea Zini. Sanaveras and Andrea Zani, a fractional leader, Torsador, is making him fight every yard to the line, but again, it is Stradivarius in the Qatar Goodwood Cup. Kugov is just in front, but Defoe is running on very strongly on the far side and beginning to get up here, and Defoe won the Coronation Cup. Pajira Prince, though, clinging on grimly, and it's Pajira Prince who wins the Skybet Evil. And it's been a tale of quiet, some would say unheralded achievement, but at the very top level now, stretching back beyond a decade for Andrea Razzani, who joins me now. Andrea, you must have enjoyed watching all those uh, highlights back. Which was the one that gave you the biggest buzz, just watching that little reel? Um, it was actually great to see... Um Dali Sun winning the Tazarovich with David Simcock. I think I was only 17 at the time. And, uh, and obviously, the likes of Simple Verse winning the Phillies and Mares and Postpone, what a great horse he was. But we missed out on Kingston Hill. He was, he was very good. But yeah, and then obviously, see the, the foe winning the Coronation, which is, is a very good horse to, to myself and the old team at home. But yeah, it's, uh, it's been a 
good career so far, and let's hope he continues. Yeah, that's a, that's an understatement. And of course, there was a Stradivarius in there as well. You've got a pretty good record on him. You won two Goodwood Cups and the Queen's Vars on Stradivarius. You could have been there today in Paris riding the horse, except your retainer meant that at the time you weren't able to go and come back, and then it all changed and Pellier was booked. It's been a frustrating time of it for everyone. Yeah, obviously I was um, got a call to... I rode Stradivarius three times. I won the mm. Queen's Bars as a three-year-old, and I won two. I was very lucky to win two Goodwood Cups on him. He was never my ride, but chance I got, I managed to get on him, and um, he's been a great horse. And um, unfortunately, with uh, with the eight days quarantine. of quarantine that we had to do at the time, I couldn't commit to him. Um, I was very grateful that obviously Bjorn Nielsen offered me the ride on 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 Stradivarius. This is even before he ran in the trial, and. Um, Unfortunately, I couldn't take it because I couldn't miss the eight days, mm. uh, especially for the new market, Phillies Mile. Yeah. So obviously, you know, I, I, I turned the ride down and they managed to get Pellier, which is, you couldn't pick a better jockey for, for Stradivarius, I think. And uh, and obviously, we the rules changed, it was too late. Like I said, Pellier was already booked on him, but uh, I couldn't get back on the horse, but, which is fine, listening. I'm glad they, they managed to get... Uh, Pellier on him because I think he'll suit, he'll suit the horse perfectly and um, I'll be watching him, I'll be cheering him home. Will you be watching it or will you go for a long walk? Watch. No, I'll definitely watch it, man, for sure. He'll have to watch it. Will you be cheering him on? I will, yeah. I hope he wins. Uh, you know, it, it's, it'd be great to see the Philly winning, obviously, um, and Abel. I think she's unbelievable and I think she's going to be very, very hard to beat. But, you know, Stradivarius, he's been a good horse to me and... Um, and it would be great to see, to see him doing it. Hand on your heart, if the pair of them came down to the 100-metre pole together, who are you cheering for? I don't know. It's, it's hard because, obviously, as much as I love to see Enable winning, because I think she deserves it, and she, she's the best horse in the race. Um, I don't know. There's a soft spot for Saradavarius. OK, I'd love to be on him, but I'm not. But it's, it's a horse that... Like I said, he owes me nothing. I rode him three times. He's, he gave me two Group 1 winners. He gave me a Royal Ascot winners. I can't ask for any more than that. And it will be great to see him winning for him. And obviously, Bjorn is a good friend of mine. And, uh, yeah, I wish him all the best. I'm being very cruel. You're being very diplomatic. Let's, um, let's talk about the man who rides in Abel, Frankie Dettori, because you, like he, are from Sardinia. Um, how much of an inspiration was he when you, were, when you were small? How aware were you of what he was doing over here when you were growing up? Um, it's funny enough, Nick, because I never grew up into racing. Mum and dad, they obviously they are now, but they weren't into racing at all. My mum, she's a nurse. She was, obviously, now she's, she's retired. And my dad was a farmer, um, but we had no horses at the farm. and So I never really had a chance to watch racing at any stage of sort of my younger days. I probably started watching racing when I, when I was about 12, 13. I wouldn't know who Frank... I think, I think one day when I was about... 10 open his book and there was a picture of Frankie Dettori in these blue colours and uh, and that's probably the first time I actually saw a picture of him and then um, obviously when I got into racing a bit more um, at the age of 12, 13 and I, I started watching racing and uh, yeah obviously Frankie was the only jockey that I knew really well obviously I didn't know him as a person but yeah. he was everyone knew about Frankie and then I looked up to him since obviously I started riding and and even when I came over to England I started riding. I didn't really know Frankie, we never really we were never friends. I would say say hello to me, say hello to me. We never really um spoke much but 
And then as I started to get better rides, I was riding better races, riding better horses. Then that's when we start getting close to each other. Yeah. And, uh, and um, we became very close friends. And now we've on holidays together. We, we, you know, we speak quite a lot. And um, yeah, it's, it's obviously a very close friend now. Now, you've been to the Palio together, haven't you? We did, yeah. Yeah, now, but your history with the Palio goes back a long, long way. And you could have ridden in the Palio. If you'd hung around in, in Italy, you'd have been riding around the Piazza in Siena. I could have, yeah. Um, I, was always, I was there when I was 14, because yeah. um, I left school. I remember me, my dad took me to watch the Palio, and I was supposed to stay there for three days, three or four days. And um, we went to see this guy, which is Trecciolino, which is one of the best... Uh, jockey's day, I think he, he's won 13 palios. We went to see him and he sat me down. He said, oh, why didn't you stay here? I said, I only had like, a small bag with me. I said, yeah, why not? I was only 14. And, and I said to, so I went up to my dad. I said, Dad, I think I'm going to stay. And I was like, OK, that's fine. But and then I had to tell my mum, obviously. So I ran my mum said, Mum, I'm going to stay here. And so obviously she didn't want me to. Because I actually had to go back to school because I was only 14 at the time. And you could only leave school when you were 15. So school was after my mum, and they were trying for me to get back, and I wouldn't go back. And because uh, you just wanted to be with the horses yeah, and ride, the, ride yeah, these horses yeah, and yeah. get them get them ready for the palio. Yeah, and I was riding bareback, and I was up early every morning feeding the horses, and and then obviously I did one of the trials. Um, I don't even think I was allowed to do it because I think you had to be eighteen. But the the guy I was working with, he like he insured me or something. He paid quite a bit of money for me to. Mm-hmm do that like a little trial and um, and I was offered to stay and if I'd have stayed there's a good chance I could have ridden in the palio I don't know because but the only problem is I had to wait four years and four years for me was a long time to wait and uh, and I was sort of already a Botti family already sort of approached me to go and work for them in Milan so but I couldn't go to them until I was 15 because they obviously couldn't insure me. So somebody had spotted your talent. Somebody had obviously seen you were, a, you were a prodigious talent at, what, 13, 14, and they were already trying to kind of sign you up. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's through my dad as well and, and friends because obviously I think when, when my dad... Because I remember asking my dad to buy me a horse. He would never buy me one because he thought, if I buy him a horse, he'd probably look after it for about three or four weeks and he's just going to leave it with me and my dad didn't have the time. Yeah. And he actually bought me my first horse when I was 10 or maybe 11. And then he realised that that was it. that's all I wanted to do, be with the horses and, you know, riding horses. And then he thought, well, we'll have to try and... Uh, Off you go. Yeah, find him a nice job and, and you know, try his fortune somewhere else. But uh, my, my mum was never keen, but my dad was always sort of behind me. Uh, I'm I'm I'm, st- I'm fascinated by the by by your experiences with these horses that you were you were training for the Palio because the, these riders when they get to eighteen nineteen and if they if they do well they are really hero worshipped aren't they Yeah, um, it's very tough because obviously in the Palio there's only they only allow ten horses to run so that means there can only be ten jockeys riding Yeah, and the Palio is only twice a year, um, so it's it's very hard to get in, and it's it's very hard to stay in the game you know um obviously i've got my cousin uh, there's a great documentary about him on the called palio yeah i I think it's actually on netflix um he's won it seven times now and um he's he's obviously um related to me and um it's fascinating to watch because i think now he's the young up and coming and it looks like he could be one of the best in the business and your cousin is giovanni yeah 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 and yeah. he's at Zaney, Giovanni. He's at Zaney, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's actually a second cousin, but yeah, we, we are related and we're very close.
Uh, how brave do you have to be to do that? Very brave. <laughs> I wouldn't be brave enough now. <laughs> Sometimes I get scared riding two or first time I wins and never mind going around the palio. But now nah, it's yeah, you've got to be very brave. And uh, that's that's the thing about my cousin. He just he's not feared for anything. He just goes out there and. At the time, I would have done it. If you ask me now, would yeah. you do it now? No. I've been, I've been spoiled now. You, you, you've also postponed the photo. You know, you can't be going around the palio risking your life. too many fresh two-year-olds <laughs> yeah. as well. You, so you come to England at 15. It's young to be away from home, to be away from what sounds like quite an idyllic life as well. It sounds like you had a, you know, a nice childhood, a nice, comfortable childhood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing is, uh, Nick, I was never asked to do it. Whatever I've done, it was, it's my decision. Yeah. Um, so your parents were quite never, relaxed. My dad was. That's what I get. That's why sometimes I can be very relaxed because my dad is like that. My mum, she was obviously, you know, what mums are like. They want to go to school to become a doctor, to become a lawyer, whatever. But I had no interest in to do that. And um, so yeah, I left. Um, so I went to Milan when I was fifteen for uh, working for Marco Botti's dad. Yeah. And three months later, I remember I was doing evening stables, and Marco's cousin, which you know, trains in in in. Um, in Shanti, um, Alessandro, he came up to me and said, oh, would you want to go to England for a, a couple of months just for work experience? I said, yeah. And he just left. I didn't think anything of it. A week later, he said, look, we booked the flights. You're off to <laughs> England. I hadn't told my mum yet. <laughs> so I'm ringing my mum. Mum, I'm going to England. She said, oh, it's, it's too far. I said, mum, look, I'm in Milan. I'm still away from home. England's only about yeah. two hours, another flight, an hour flight. But yeah, so I came over here. I was supposed to stay here for a couple of months, and now I've been here. <laughs> 15, I'm 29, I mean, is that 14 years? It's, it's, it's safe to say it's gone fairly well, but yeah. you arrived here with not, with not a word of English. Zero. And it's amazing how quickly, I mean, I know you're young, yeah. but it's amazing how quickly but you got up you know, to speed. Yeah, it took me a long time because when I first came over, I was obviously working for Marco and I was leaving with Italians, so it took me probably a couple of years before I could start speaking English. Maybe when I started riding, because I had to deal with my agent and with trainers and... Mm. And uh, but, but like I said, nobody forced me to do it, Nick Hughes. It's my decision. Um, I remember when you're 15, 16, all my friends are going, going to the beach, going on holidays, having fun, and, and I'm riding out, I'm mucking out in evening stables. But sometimes, probably eight times out of ten, you're forced to do something like that, but I wasn't. It was my decision. No one forced me to do it. I could have easily gone back home and chose a different life. But I didn't, and I'm, and I'm glad I didn't. The thing is, I, I'm intrigued. I've always, I've always thought of you, and you've slightly confirmed it as being quite laid back. You're not as intense as, as some jockeys are. Well, that's how you come over. But then you have to marry that with the competitive instinct on the on the race course. Have you found that straightforward, that kind of balance to, to strike? You have to balance it because it, I think it, it is it's good to be relaxed and to be laid back. Because um, you know what it's like in, in this game, there's a lot more bad days than good days. If you let the bad days get into you, it can't last. You know, you can easily get to your head and you can easily, you know, um, you know, go around the wrong route. Whether, for me, you have to balance, because sometimes I've done it before to approach a race where I'm, and I'm too relaxed and you can easily make a mistake. Mm. You, you, need to be, you need a bit of pressure, you need a bit of, not too much, you have to sort of balance it. You need a little it. bit of adrenaline you, just you to do, focus yeah. you. Just, I, I, like I said, I've turned up in the races where I was too relaxed and your mind is probably not switched on as much as it should be and you're not making decisions, it's not as sharp as it should be. So you need to put yourself under a little bit of pressure. I think that's why Frankie he does it so good. You know, it's, you can see him on a big day. Like he, he gets himself he a bit does, revved yeah, up. Yeah, you can tell he's, 
he's not under the pressure, but you, can, you know he's in a big race and he, he can't mess it up. And um, I think you got you got to balance it. You can't put too much yourself under too much pressure, but at the same time you have to. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. You've been listening to the Luck on Sunday podcast, the weekly digest of the best bits from Luck on Sunday, the programme that brings you the best guests and insights from around the racing world.